Micah 6.8. We've been reading this over the last few weeks. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Father, it is our prayer, our heart, that what we do in here, the praise, the worship, um, the expression of our love, will not just end here, but God, it will go with us into the streets that we might act with fairness and justice, that we will be lovers of mercy and grace, that our walk with you would be humble, contrite, and truly attractive to you and to others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, who is your Zacchaeus? You might wonder why I asked that question. Who is your Zacchaeus? Last week we spoke about that. And as I was lying in bed, just about ready to fall asleep, that was the question that I heard asked me by my wife. Monday night. And kind of just startled me. She doesn't ask me those kind of questions like that at night normally, as, you know, especially with regard to a message. And, and, and she said, have you given that much thought? Well, let me ask you. Some of you were here this last week. Have you given that much thought? I challenge you to think about who is this Zacchaeus, this person who um, God may have brought into your life, who may be the kind of person that's not really easy to love. And in fact, to think that God might even desire to spend time with him and that Jesus would be like that kind of a person causes you to mutter and go, I can't believe God could like that one. So who's your Zacchaeus? Have you thought about it? And, and honestly, I, I just had an answer and I said, no. I said, honestly, no. And she goes, well, I have. Yours, Zacchaeus, that is. <laughs> And I said, oh, you really have? And she goes, yeah. And she listed a person. And it was like God just went, boom, right between my eyes. And I said, you're right. And as I've been praying about that, my, my heart, my attitude has begun to be transformed. As I have been thinking about that and praying and asking God, what is my response to be? Am I to actively be engaged or to do something? Or is this, is this just something that you want me to be praying about and thinking about? What about for you? Our mission, as we've stated, and some of you uh, might want to look at this if you haven't, and if you're new somewhat to the church, we, we put our, our vision, mission, and value statements here in a little, little trifold document for you. And our, our mission is simple. It's to help all people take their next step in knowing and following Jesus. To help all people to take their next step in knowing and following Jesus. In fact, when you think about that, it implies a journey, doesn't it? It's a process that we're talking about here. In fact, when you, when you think of what that mission statement implies, it's to help all people take their next step and knowing and following Jesus. So it's this idea that as you come up to someone, you are, you are coming up to them and you are coming alongside of them in order to get to know them, in order to be able to be in relationship with them so that you can help them 
take whatever step it is to either know for the very first time or to know more deeply and to follow with greater love and intimacy this person we believe who was revealed to us, God in flesh, Jesus Christ, that we might walk with Him. And so, it's this imagery of, of walking with God. It's this idea that we are people who are walking together, and in that walk together, we're encountering God. In fact, that's what this value is. When we talk about three values, we talk about a value when we walk together. There are three things that we really want to happen as a people. We want to have those opportunities where we encounter God, where we also grow in community with others. And as we walk together, God gives us opportunities to impact our world around us. And so this imagery of walk is really important. In fact, it's so important as I began to study this and, and really understand this more fully as I was preparing for this through the summer, it occurred to me this idea of walk is foundational with regard to the, the way that you see God with His people. If you go all the way back to, the, to Genesis, you'll see it's some of the earliest descriptions that you have of God. Genesis chapter 3. He has made Adam and Eve. They have sinned. And you get this verse afterwards. They're, they're covering themselves. They're hiding in the garden with fig trees. And verse 8 of Genesis 3 says, Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it's just this incredible imagery of, of these two who are hiding behind these figs. And they hear God walking. In the cool of the day, he's walking through the garden. And it says in the scripture that they... They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And as they were hiding, the Lord's kind of walking along looking for them. And he goes, uh, where are you guys? It's, it's almost as if God with Adam for numbers of years would come and in the cool day might walk with his son and talk to his son and talk to him about all these different things. And he would have, be on this walk as they would encounter one another. And now as he has joined them together, because he's the father who actually did the marriage and he brought these two together it's like he still wants to be with them and so now it's a family walk right God comes down he's looking for the family he said where are you guys you're not here for the daily walk and, and you get this idea that like it's a common occurrence and then you turn to chapter 5 and you consider how this idea of a walk continues Genesis chapter 5 Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Verse 22, and after he became the father, it says, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 23, altogether Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. You have this continued image again of this God who comes along and he walks beside those whom he has created and loves. And there is this sense of opportunity that some people walk with him in a very intimate and genuine way. You have other people who are listed, but it's not until this point in Scripture. First he talks to Adam and Eve where he comes in the cool day to walk with them. You have a number of people who are listed and it comes down the generational line till we see he meets with Enoch. And in a special way, he walks with this man Enoch. Now, I'm not going to get into the, the numbers of years of where he lived and stuff. That's a whole other study. 
But it is kind of interesting that he says he's 365 years of age and he walked for 300 years, which you kind of wonder, could it be that he didn't really walk that closely with him for 65 years? And so you have this picture of God walking with Enoch. And the word here that's that's very important is that it says that he was no more. It's like he vanished, he was taken away. It's the same words that are used of Elijah, who is the only other person that we know of who never died but was taken up. The very same words in 2 Kings. Chapter 2, verses 3 and 5 make that same statement. When will he be taken up? They knew that, that the prophets around Elijah knew that someday he would be taken up. He would be translated from this life to the next life. In fact, if you go to Acts and you see the story of the ascension of Jesus after he has died and risen from the dead, that's the same idea that he will be taken away. And here is Enoch, this person who walked so intimately with God, had this relationship with God where he, he knew Him intimately and knew and understood His Father. You go on and you read again in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah. We get to Noah. He was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And, and look at this again. You can, if you have your Bible, you can understand. He walked with God. This special sense of this person who said, God, I really don't want to just live this life. As Paul said when we were doing communion, I want to take my hands off my life and allow it to intersect with your life so that I walk through this life with you. Genesis chapter 6-9. Exodus. Go to Exodus chapter 13, and you get this idea again, now not with God just walking with an individual, He is actually walking with a community of people. He's, he's taken a person, and then He's taken this family of Abraham, He's taken this family of Abraham, and He's begun to develop tribes, and these tribes have now become a nation. So that in Exodus chapter 13, it says that when Pharaoh let the people go, verse 17, God did not lead them. So you have this picture of God leading Verse 18, so God led the people around the desert. And then in verse 20, he tells you how he does that. After leaving Sukkoth, and they've encamped at Etham on the edge of the desert. Verse 21, by the day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of a cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. What I think is interesting about that is that here is this God who shows up in this way in the pillar of a cloud during the day, and then at night it's kind of like he's got a flashlight. You know, it's a pillar of fire. It's just light so they could see is what he's actually saying. So that when he wanted them to walk, even it be in the nighttime, even at the time when it's hard to walk and it's hard and tough to see, God comes down and he guides them and he leads them and he directs their path. He is a God who wants to walk with people. And, and as you go through this, and you see in the Old Testament, not only do you see this in the Exodus, but you see it in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, verse 5. You go on to that verse, and, and it's a very difficult time in the life of the people. Whenever you have a great leader, you know what that's like in any kind of organization. When a great leader that has been able to rally the troops together is passing away, it's one of those times where people become nervous and fearful. And then whoever is going to lead it next becomes also a bit fearful. So in Joshua chapter 1, you get this picture of God who comes to, to Joshua and he says, you know, as Moses is dying, he says to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. 
Then he goes on to verse 5. In the middle of the verse, he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. As you move into all these areas to take territory for me, I am walking with you. And then he goes through Scripture, and you see in the Old Testament, um, David himself writes the Psalm 23. He leads me, he guides me. Even though I walk through the valley of death, what does he say? You need not want fear, for I'm with you. I'm walking with you. And then you come to the New Testament. And it's about God walking not with just a, a person, a family, a tribe, a single nation. But it's God coming in flesh to walk with every person who wants to walk with. It's God's desire for you to step up beside Him and for Him to get close to you so that He can walk with you through life. That just like Enoch and just like Noah and just like Moses and the people of Israel and Joshua and the people of Israel, we personally and as a community can walk with God. And so He says in John chapter 1, Verse 14. The Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. God comes down into human form. In fact, the uh, Amplified Version says He pitched His tent of flesh among us. It's the same idea as in the Old Testament when He would tabernacle. He, he, when they were walking through the wilderness, He, he actually came and, he, and he, he lived in this tent and they would carry Him in the Ark of the Covenant, in a sense, His presence. Not God Himself, but His presence. The, the symbol and the, the sense of His presence would be with them. And so now He says, in the same way I was with them, I will be with every person because Jesus Himself is the embodiment of all of who God is, fully God and fully man, who is chosen to come and to walk with any person who wants to walk with Him. I like the way the message says it. The message says the Word became flesh. The idea that, that God became a person, and, and he writes, and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that interesting? He, he, he moved into the neighborhood. He's just, you know, he's just the house down from us, in that sense. Well, our number one value is to encounter God. We want all people to encounter God. What we are not about is merely helping through messages through studies in, in, in adult classes or in small group settings. It, it, we're not merely here to teach people that they can just get more information about the Bible. We're not here to give some self-help tips so that you can live a better life. We're not here primarily so that people can come in and, and experience together some kind of religious activity so that they can go out through the weeks and feel like they put in what they should in the sense of their time before God. We're not here to do things such as just packing food for those who are hungry or working with interfaith in order to help people who are homeless. We're not here to do merely those things. I'm not saying we don't do those things. But that's not the primary value that we have as a body. One of the primary values that, that we as elders and as a church are, are wanting to say is that we want people to have something far greater than what might normally be thought of as church. We want you... I want to have an encounter with God. The living God. 
I want to have people who will walk with me, and as I'm walking with them, and as we walk together, we will have an encounter with God, and in those encounters with God, we will also have opportunity to get besides other people and to help them have an encounter with God as well. We want to provide that kind of community where God can be known. Create spiritual environments where God can be encountered. We want to be the kind of people where God so much takes up residence in us and begins to transform us that a person can be touched by, seen by, can actually see this God at work within us so that they have an encounter with God. I was thinking about this as I was um, preparing this message and I was thinking about my own walk with God. It, it, it really came up when we were sitting around as some... Uh, as the elders and we were talking about new membership and it, it kind of um, what I'd been thinking about it just kind of brought it to light again we were talking about how people come to faith in God and some people have these kind of Damascus Road experiences where they haven't walked with God at all they've been walking away from God then all of a sudden one day this like this light God comes to them through either a person through a message or through some kind of failure on their own part and, and they experience God and His love and His grace like they've never had before and they can look back and go I remember exactly Exactly the day I had that incredible encounter with God. How many can say something like that? Now, there's a number of you do, and you don't. This is not like if you wanted to raise your hand, fine. Um, but then there's people that what I call these encounters with God that happen because they have grown up in a home that they have had experiences where God has been taught and God has been has, has shown up even in their own family or in a church that they've been a part of. And as they've walked with God, they've encountered Him along the way. How many have had that kind of experience? Okay. I think God comes to us in different ways. But we want to provide those kind of opportunities where people can encounter God. When I was younger, my first encounter with God was when I was about four to five years of age. I was, um, my dad was a pastor, and uh, pastors' kids think they can get away with everything, right? Even as a four and five year old, I was a little bit of a trouble. But I remember one morning, the teacher, who was incredibly kind and gracious, I remember one morning, this teacher teaching, and all I can remember is that somehow something kind of pricked my heart. I went home that day, thought about it. The next morning, Monday morning, when my mom was doing wash, the washer and dryer was down in the basement. She's doing wash. I come up to her and I say, Mom, you know, his teacher talked about Jesus being a friend. I really want Jesus to be my friend. And she stopped and she prayed with me. Now, I don't know a lot of development of my life from that point on. But I am so grateful for the opportunity to have a little Sunday school class where a teacher faithfully went about her work week after week. And to this day, I don't know if she even knows that I had an encounter with God in that class. But that's what we want to do. And some of you are doing that. You may not realize that in the midst of the, the class that you're doing, and you may think you have a little troublemaker, and that person isn't hearing but as you are just faithful and God in His way through a word or through something said, the need of the heart is ripe and open and that child has an encounter with God. Now here I am, seven to eight years of age, and it's in the summer 
And like every parent, they are thrilled when there's opportunities for their kids to get out of the house. Like my, my mom, I'm sure, was waiting for me to go somewhere. And so I go to VBS. And I have to tell you, I don't have a lot of great memories of VBS. I have this one, though. I remember as a kid sitting in one of the front rows of what was Crystal Evangelical Free Church, the old church. Some person who was a traveling VBS guy or something, husband, wife. And they used this modern approach to telling stories about Jesus called the flannel graph. Anybody been a part of a flannel graph teaching? It, it's just, it's, I mean, you talk about uh, lights and whistles and bells. Anyway. Um, they taught about Daniel. And at one point, I remember this challenge of being, would you dare to be a Daniel? That's all I remember. And I remember this stirring in my heart. That now I can go back and recognize it was God encountering me, saying, I want you to be like that. And I, I continued to, and I could give you a, a number of others, but I remember 17 and 18 years of age. I was at a point in my life, in my senior year in high school, there was a, a, a time in life where it was a, a failure. I um, felt ashamed and, and, and guilt for, for some things in my life, and, and I had come to this point of utter desperation. And I remember, because I had been in a youth group about it, you know, this idea that, you know, just read God's Word, read the Bible. There's. There's things that are helpful in God's Word. And I open the Bible, I turn to Romans 7, and I'm reading Romans 7 where it says, um, Paul is saying, I, I want to do these things, but I don't. And I have all these, and I remember being gripped by it going, I could have written this. And through God's Word, I encountered God. Which started a journey for me because about nine months later, in the same way as I continued then to begin to read God's Word, went to college, and in college I was continuing to read God's Word, beginning to try and understand what am I to do with my life? What is, what is it, my purpose? What is, what is it that you want for me, God? And as I read that, I came across Philippians 3. And as I read Philippians 3, I was so, again, just like taken with the truth of this Word that says... I want to know Christ. Whatever I've gained, it, it doesn't matter, but that I might know Christ. And it was, it, it was that passage of Scripture. Not that I've obtained this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And I remember as I was reading that, thinking of, of, of being in athletics and how a coach could see my abilities and how a coach would try and coach that out of me, I began to realize that Jesus is this person who is so alive and so loving and so wants to be involved in my life and He wants to be involved in your life. He sees who you are. He sees your potential. He knows all that He's created you to be. And I remember in that moment that God began to stir in my heart and He said, Kevin, I have given you Jesus He would walk with you. And as He walks with you, He will bring out of you all that I've ever intended. How can't you sign up for that? And I had this encounter with God. I don't don't think anybody here wants to do church unless we're talking about people having real living encounters with God. Right? Through Jesus Christ. 
Where you get to understand your own heart. You can understand the sin which causes pain and hurt in other people's lives. The, the selfish ways that you live. The strategies that you have grown up with that you've seen to try and protect yourself. And in protecting yourself, you really hurt yourself and you hurt others. And then you come to this point where you realize that this God who has created all this loves you deeply. And this God who loves you actually will forgive you for all that. If you will just open your heart to Him and you will begin to give yourself to Him. And He will walk with you. Well... We're called to encounter God. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. That we have um, 40 junior middle schoolers right now who are away with Kevin Campbell and a bunch of um, adult leaders at a retreat camp who have potential. And I've been praying. We prayed last Wednesday when we meet the first Wednesday of the month. And I'll say this again because I would love for as many people who want to take part in that. The first Wednesday of the month, the reason we pray is we pray and say, God, we can't do this kind of stuff. The only way that, that, that people's lives will be changed is if you show up and you encounter them. So every Wednesday we just stop and we pray and we say, God, through this month, would you allow for people to have encounters with you? And so we've been praying, and we prayed, and I've been praying, God, would you allow some of these middle schoolers, like I experienced, like many of you have experienced, to have an encounter with the living God? That's our value. That encounter with the living God has a number of implications. And the first is, encountering God means helping people take their first step with God. Something that I believe we need to be about. If we have walked with God, if God has entered into our life in, in a time of our own understanding of our sin, our own sense of shame, and He's met us where we're at, and He has loved us where we're at, and He has then said, I will walk with you, I will, I will move you into this place where I can bless you as you walk with me and know my word and begin to understand through other people walking with you what it means to allow the life and love of God to flow through you as you walk in this fashion, how can you not do the same for someone else? That is one of the deep implications that we have when we talk about encountering God. And that is helping people take their first step. It's like Genesis 3 when God comes to Adam and Eve. Now, God is not blind. It is not as if God doesn't know. When He says, where are you, Adam and Eve? It's not as if He doesn't see them, in a sense, behind those bushes. He's asking them to acknowledge where they're at so that he can begin to deal with them. And we want to come up alongside people and we want to just say, where are you at? And we want to love them right where they're at. That's what Jesus did constantly with people. He was constantly breaking misconceptions and stereotypes that people have of God. That's really, when you look at the record of the Gospels, the record of the Gospels is one of these incredible accounts of God who comes in Jesus and explain, explains to people through parables like the lost sheep and the publican and the Pharisee, the good Samaritan, about this God who is a God who loves you. He sees you. He knows where you're at. And He's come to save you right where you're at. He's come to help you take your first step with Him. And you see this picture of God doing that again and again. And it's this encounter with God that we want to share with other people. That's why we want people um, 
People are not just ushers or greeters or or, or involved in these ways in the church just to fill a responsibility. It's our heart that when people get a handshake or when people are greeted, that they are greeted by the love of God through you because you know there may be a person coming in who needs an encounter with God. And we also recognize it doesn't happen within the walls of this church. It happens most often when you walk out of this church Monday through the rest of the week where God places you in positions where there are people who in their quiet own struggle are calling out to God and He's placed you maybe next to them. And they have misconceptions because of their shame and their guilt. They're in hiding. They don't want to come out. They don't want that to be exposed. They could never believe in a sense that God could love them. Or they're walking like this. God, I'm so mad at you. I'm so angry angry and that puts people off but deep down there's a wound there's a hurt they're angry not necessarily even at god although they may have to work through that and you may have to help them understand that but they are these kind of people that god says come around them help them where they're at and love them i had a great illustration and understanding of that years ago we uh, my wife grew up on a farm, and some of you who have grown up on farms, you know what this is like, right? You, you, you usually have animals stay outside the house, right? Well, why would you bring an animal in the house? Well, I grew up in the suburbs, and you bring animals into the house, right? You have dogs, cats, whatever you got. I wanted a dog. And I was really smart. My girls were all like two and four. And I said, you know what? These kids need a dog. What so happened, someone was um, getting rid of a... They had a six-month Sheltie named Shelby. And this dog was rather hyper. We got the dog. I was excited about having the dog. Didn't count on one thing. At some point in this dog's early life, it was either abused or hurt by a male person. And so when I'd call the dog, the dog would go the other way. Now, I wanted this dog. And I'm really bummed now. This dog won't have anything to do with me. When I come near this dog, it cowers. This dog's afraid of me. How in the world am I going to have a relationship with this dog? And I'm the one that actually brought you, dog, into the house. Right? And so... I'm calling this dog, and, and, and I'm sitting on the stairs, and I remember over by the couch is the dog, and the dog loved my kids. Oh, it's just going nuts around these little kids. And so one time I'm calling the dog, and my daughter, I believe it was Kenzie, comes running to me. And as she runs to me, the dog follows her about halfway and then stops because she sees she's coming to me. Well, the light bulb went on. I said, Kenzie, go back there. Let's do that again. Called the dog, came about three quarters away. Called the dog, came a little bit further. Finally called about five, six, seven times. Finally, this dog was coming when she would come. And then I would call the dog's name. We continued it, and then Kenzie would stop, and the dog would come. Eventually, guess what? In a night's time, that dog was coming to me by its name. Because why? There was someone next to her who was not afraid of me, who was willing to help, in a sense, that dog understand that I'm okay. Folks, that is what it means for us to be in relationship with other people. They don't understand often. They can have a walk with a God who is loving and kind and gracious and good and wants to be involved in their life. They don't get it. They need someone to come alongside them and say, let me walk you to this person, Jesus. Let me help you take your first step. I 
I want to do this, and I'm asking Mary to do this, because I just, whether we get through this whole message doesn't really matter to me. Um, what matters is, I think this point is so important for us as a body. And that is this. We've sung this song, and I'm asking you to stand. Because some of you know in your back, past background, this little hymn. I believe people need to experience this in their life. You may need to experience this right now. You may be in a place where you have walked away from God. You've walked with Him at some point, but you're not now, and you don't know how you can come back, and it's just so simple. It's merely this desire to open your heart and to, and to say, come, um, I, I just come just as I am before you, God. And so I'm going to ask you to sing this. Some of you sing it because God wants to create that kind of person in you that, that, that says... Um, I take you where you're at. And some of you, because you need to come to him, because he says, I, I accept you right now where you're at. Let's sing this together. I believe encountering God means people who take time. Who take the time that is needed to be with God. And I'm going to encourage us as a congregation. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know there's a pattern in Jesus' life that individually Jesus went away so that he could be in the presence of God. Because only as you come into these encounters and, and you move into the presence of God does he change your heart so that Moses, when he walked away, his face shone. That the disciples at one point in Acts, when, when they were ministering, it says the people saw such courage in them that they knew, they were astonished that they took note, it says in Acts, that they were people who had been with Jesus. Encountering God for us, folks, it is something that is intentional. This church, individually and corporately, will not drift into that kind of intimate walk with God. It's just, you know, it's just not something... It's when we in our hearts say, God, we want to experience the fullness of who you are. I think encountering God is going to talk about... As you look in Scripture, it talks about when God begins and you begin to, to let Him transform your life, He also comes in with transforming power at times to touch people's lives. As we pray that God will do that. One of the ways that God does that is He uses us in very quiet and small and still ways, sometimes not very flashy. I got a call from my daughter last night right in the middle as I was going over some of this message and she said as she works in a place called ACR Homes with, with people who are disabled, specifically mentally challenged people and some physical disabilities. She said, there's a, there's a man here, he's your age, Dad. Meant I was, the guy's old. Anyway. Um, she said he's got cerebral palsy and he just lost his father. 
and he is really struggling. Would you, you know, you're a pastor. Would you do what you do? <laughs> and I just talked to him. I couldn't understand him. She had to interpret what he was saying to me. And I prayed with him over the phone. And she came home later and just hugged me and said, Dad, that was really cool. That was really neat. He needed that. He was able to fall asleep. Some of you guys are doing that stuff in people's lives. It's not flashy, but it's just love. And you're allowing people to encounter God. I am so excited in my heart and spirit that I believe God's doing that here. He's been doing it. He's used this church and continues to use this church. And I'm looking forward to more of it. Don't you want more of that? Yes? Yeah. I want to close by asking him if Carrie would come up here. And uh, we were working with Interfaith and, and trying to say, how can we help them with their message? Just out of love. We just wanted to help them. And so... Uh, you guys came up with an idea to help them as a church. And so do you want to share what God has done? Certainly. Well, as many of you know, Interfaith Outreach is about to kick off their 14th annual Sleep Out campaign, which raises awareness and money for housing assistance in our community. Over the last 14 years, Interfaith has seen this need increase dramatically. This year they have set a goal of raising $2 million to meet this growing need. Uh, today, we will be giving our elder care offering to the Sleep Out campaign. As a community care team, we wanted to um, not only communicate this need to our congregation, but we also wanted to do something to benefit Interfaith long term. So we solicited the help of Christy Peel, who's on staff here at Wyzetta Free, and she was willing to use the gifts that God has given her, along with some connections she has, to put a video together about the Sleep Out. Uh, Interfaith then in turn will be able to distribute this video to other congregations, businesses, and organizations within our community. So take a look. <laughs> 